Heavenly Father, we recognise that there are many dangers in this world and many enemies who would seek to harm us. But Lord, we ask then that you would send your Holy Spirit to us so that we do not stray from your word and so that we walk safely towards the heavenly home that we long for. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, this morning I want us to consider at this time of year, at Christmas, the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, because this is clearly taught in the scriptures that are before us, that we've just read from Matthew's gospel and from Luke's gospel. Uh, we understand that the Bible clearly shows that Jesus is not Joseph's child, not Joseph's child. We see that in uh, Matthew's gospel, verse 18 of chapter one, it says, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. We understand that Jesus was not Joseph's son, and the virginity of Mary is affirmed again and again in the passage that is before us. And we see it even in chapter 1, verse 23 of Matthew's Gospel, uh, quoting from Isaiah, says, The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And then, of course, we saw it over in Luke's Gospel as well. The emphasis that is made there again and again that Mary was a virgin when she gave birth to the Lord Jesus. We see it in Luke's Gospel, uh, chapter 1, verse 26, and following, it says, In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And then if you look in verse 34, Mary responds to the message that she's going to have a baby. She says in verse 34, how will this be? Mary asks the angel, since I am a virgin. Or literally, it is, I have not known a man that she says to the angel. And then in verse 35, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Very clearly teaching that it is by God that she is pregnant, not by man and particularly not by Joseph. So we see in the scriptures that the virgin birth is affirmed again and again in the passages that we've read this morning. Now, why is the virgin birth so important? Why is it something that is emphasized in the scriptures? particularly when it can be open to ridicule so easily. The virgin birth is something that can be easily ridiculed. Why would I say that? Well, virgin births simply don't happen. When a child is conceived, there is a man and there is a woman involved. It is not a case that a woman can simply get pregnant on her own. There is always a man involved in some way, even in intra vitro uh, fertilization, a man is involved in some way just as a woman is involved in some way. Virgin births don't sim simply do not happen. If a woman came to you and claimed, I'm pregnant, but it is just me involved here and that it is not from any man, would you believe her? Would you believe her if she said, I'm pregnant by God? It has got nothing to do with other, any other man on this earth. Would you believe her? Clearly you would not. You would not believe her. And it is not as though people in the New Testament in the first century were more gullible than we are today. We see in the passage before us that Mary questioned whether she would, and whether this could actually happen. We saw that in Luke's gospel. She says in Luke's gospel, chapter one, verse 34, how will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. She understood the birds and the bees. She understood that it takes a man and a woman to make a child. And she says, how can this be when I have not known a man? And Joseph 
wasn't someone that was gullible either. He was someone that understood the birds and the bees too, and he understood that virgin births just don't happen. And we see this in the way that he was willing to divorce her. He was someone who said, uh, and we read in uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse 19, it says, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. He understood that this just does not happen, virgin birth. And it took the appearance of an angel to him to convince him that it was of God. People in the first century were not gullible. And today, people are not gullible either. So why is the virgin birth so important? Why is it something that is affirmed in the scriptures so clearly? And why is it that Christians again and again through the centuries have not shied away from the virgin birth, the doctrine of the virgin birth, but affirmed it again and again and again all down through the centuries? It's interesting that one of the earliest Christian creeds that we have, the Apostles' Creed, does not shy away from the virgin birth either. If you... uh, go to an Anglican church, they will often recite this. Uh, We don't recite it that often, but it is nevertheless a very important creed that has been affirmed by uh, those in the Reformed Church over the centuries. And it opens with, after you're asked, what do you believe? What does it start with? It says, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. Even though the doctrine of the virgin birth is open to ridicule by people saying this clearly cannot take place, again and again through the centuries since it took place, Christians have not shied away from it, but have affirmed again and again in one of the clear recitations that have been given over and over again through the years that Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. So why do people affirm the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Virgin? Well, if we were to deny the virgin birth, we'd have to deny the authority of Scripture to begin with. If the virgin birth is clearly taught in Scripture, and then we deny the virgin birth, well, then we're denying the authority of Scripture. And if we deny the authority of Scripture and say the Bible isn't true when it talks about the virgin birth, then what does that mean? Well, we cannot affirm anything that the Bible teaches ultimately. If we're going to start picking and choosing what is true and what is not true in scripture everything is out for grabs and therefore we cannot affirm anything as true in scripture if we're going to pick away at one thing then we have to recognize that we can pick away at everything and so if we're going to deny the virgin birth we may as well deny the resurrection of the lord jesus from the grave it's just as miraculous but we recognize that the bible is god's word and god does not lie And so therefore, if he says the virgin birth took place, then we say it took place as well, because we recognise the authority of Scripture. But why did God bring about the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ by a virgin? Why did he do it so it forms part of the Christian faith that Christians have affirmed again and again through the centuries? Why is the virgin birth so important that God would do do it in this way, that he would bring about the birth of his son in this way? Well, there's many reasons, and I've preached on these previously at different times in uh, Christmas periods over the years. Uh, One reason is that it affirms the sinlessness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus isn't a direct descendant of Joseph uh, because, of course, he's uh, he's broken the tradition with the the passing of guilt from the fathers down through the, the generations. And so the sinlessness of Jesus, which is affirmed in the New Testament in many places, it matches with the virgin birth, therefore. 
It also teaches uh, the tension that we understand about the Lord Jesus, that his human nature and his divine nature are there in one person. And so we have the humanity of Mary and we have the divinity of the Holy Spirit and the conception that takes place. And so we understand that Jesus is fully human and fully God. And the virgin birth helps us to affirm that truth. As we affirm the virgin birth, we're affirming the divinity of Christ, but also the humanity of Christ through Mary. But what I want to focus on today about the importance of the virgin birth and why it's important to us is I think it reminds us very clearly that salvation is from God, that salvation is from God. Why do humans need saving? Why do we need salvation? We need saving because we've sinned. We've all sinned against the God who has made us. And so what do we need saving from if we've sinned, if we've, made, if we've rebelled against God and made him our enemy? We need saving from the punishment that we deserve for sin. God does not take rebellion lightly, and he punishes those who have fought against him, who have sinned against him. And so we need to be saved from our sins. And we need to be saved passively. We need someone else to do it because we can't do it ourselves. Man tries again and again to save himself from God's destruction, tries to save himself from the death that is coming for sins. We understand that's the, the punishment that comes for sin is the wages of sin is death. And man tries to save himself from punishment. How does he try to save himself? Well, one of the most common ways is to do good works to outweigh the bad works. Man recognises that he does sin. And so what I need to do in, to make it better is to do good works. I need to make the balances come up 51% at least good so that I'm 49% bad. And so therefore I'm saved by my good works. The other ways that people try to save themselves from the punishment that we deserve of death is by trying to delay death as long as they possibly can or escape it in some way. How do they do that? Well, one way is by trying to avoid high-risk behaviour. There are certain actions that you can take place and that you can do in this world that, of course, come with greater risk of death. And some people are very safe people. They avoid all kinds of risky behaviours and so that they will delay the punishment that they deserve of death. And this is not just about bungee jumping and jumping out of aeroplanes. Uh, it can be as simple as swimming in the ocean. We just got back from a, a family trip uh, to uh, Queensland and we weren't swimming in the ocean, snorkelling, and there was a rip that was there in the water. I haven't seen a drift so quickly close to the beach and people were regularly getting swept along by this. You would swim and swim and swim and you couldn't really make much distance. And this is a common problem in Australia, isn't it? As people swim in the ocean... What happens? They get swept out to sea. And what happens then? They drown and they die. And so people will avoid the ocean. I was one of those people as I was there. Not that I like the ocean that much anyway. I always find beaches to be full of sand and full of water and, and, and very hot. Um, I'd much rather sit in the shade somewhere far off the beach in the sand and read a book. But as part of the family bonding activity, I did go out into the water, but I came in very quickly once I realised that I was getting swept away uh, to directions I did not want to go. I'm someone who does avoid jumping out of planes and bungee jumping and swimming in the ocean when there's certain currents. And that's what people do. They try to avoid the punishment that they deserve for their sin by avoiding high-risk activities, risky activities. And what else do people do to try to avoid the punishment that they deserve? They try to invest in healthcare. They recognise that good healthcare and physical fitness 
and eating rightly will delay their death. And so they invest in it. They invest in diets, they invest in fitness, and they invest in health insurance and knowing the right doctors so that they can avoid the death that others get. And we understand that in Australia, that our government pours a lot of money into avoiding the punishment of sin, of death, so that health care can be provided, so that we can delay that punishment as long as possible. But what's the problem? Man tries to save himself, but what's the problem? The problem is that man can't save himself. He can't save himself. We may delay the punishment, but we can't stop the punishment of death for sin. We can't stop it. Why? Well, firstly, no good works can outbalance our bad works. 51% is not good enough. 51% is not good enough to escape punishment in the eyes of any judge. Imagine you commit a crime. You break into somebody's house and you get caught and you get taken before the judge and you say to the judge, this is the first time I've ever broken into a house in my entire life. Let's say you're 20 years old. And you say, for 20 years, I've never broken into a house. I should go free. <coughs> what is the problem? The problem is that you should never break into anybody's house. If you break into a house once, you deserve to be punished. It's the same with God. You cannot go before God and say, I lived for 20 years and I did this many good works and I did this many bad works and clearly therefore the good works outweigh the bad works and so therefore I should go free. No, the thing is God has created us to do good works all the time. We're meant to live good lives 100%. That is the pass mark. It's not 99%, it's not 51%, it's 100% is the pass mark before God. And so if we sin once, we deserve to be punished and the punishment is death and destruction in hell. And so man can't save himself. As soon as he sins, he cannot save himself by his good works. And he cannot save himself by avoiding risky behaviour. You can die in an armchair just as much as you can die at the beach. And it doesn't matter what vaccines you take, how fit you are, what you eat, what doctors you know, you cannot avoid death either. Man cannot save himself by his good works, by his health care plan, and by the way that he lives in avoiding high-risk behaviours. So what is our only hope to be saved from death? What is our only hope? Our only hope is that God would save sinners, that God would save sinners, and God has. How? By Jesus Christ. God has saved sinners by Jesus Christ. How? Well, starting with the virgin birth. Starting with the virgin birth by the power of the Holy Spirit, God worked in Mary. It wasn't Mary saving the world. It was God saving the world by Mary with the Holy Spirit conceiving the Lord Jesus in her womb. And then, of course, it is all of God's work all through the life of Jesus. God saves us by Jesus, but it is God who is at work in Jesus' life with the Holy Spirit. From the conception with the Holy Spirit, through his life, the Holy Spirit anoints Jesus before his ministry, and all the work that Jesus does is done in the power of the Holy Spirit, including going to the cross to die the death that man deserves for his sin. It is all by Jesus. And then Jesus' resurrection from the grave for our justification, 
It's by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's incredible when we understand that the Spirit gave birth to Jesus with the Virgin, but it's the Spirit who gives birth to Jesus from the dead as well. We understand in Romans chapter 1, verse 4, it says, Through the Spirit of holiness, uh, talking about Jesus, through the Spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead. It is the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And so therefore, Jesus is said in Colossians 1 and Revelation chapter 1 to be the firstborn from the dead. Jesus had another birth. It's from the grave. And how did that come about? By the Spirit, by God. It is all of God. The salvation from birth to birth is all of God. And so we understand, as we look at the virgin birth, that we see there very clearly that the salvation that man needs is from God. It's not from man. But what about for us individually? How can we be saved as individuals and enter into the kingdom of God and be saved from our sins so that we do not die and go to hell, instead we die and go to heaven? How can that be? How can we as individuals have Jesus save us? Well, we need to be born again. We need to be born again. We need the new birth. And this is clearly taught for us in John chapter 3. Turn with me now. We're going to look at John chapter 3 more closely this morning. Page 1051. Page 1051. John chapter 3. And here we see very clearly taught for us how man is saved. How man is saved. And it comes in the context of a man who is a, a member of the Jewish ruling council. His name is Nicodemus, so he's actually one of the religious teachers of Israel. And he comes to Jesus and asks him some pertinent questions. And we see them given for us today so that we can understand that we must be born again as well. So chapter 3, verse 1 of John's Gospel, page 1051, it says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you were doing if God were not with him. Clearly, Nicodemus recognises that Jesus is of God, that God is working in him. And then we see in verse 3 that Jesus makes this wonderful declaration. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. No one can enter into heaven, no one can be saved from their sins unless he is born again, is what Jesus is saying there. But how can man be born again? That's the question. How can man be born again? If we can't enter into heaven, Unless we're born again, how does it happen? And Nicodemus asks, can this be by human effort, basically? He asks, is the new birth by human effort? And so we see in verse 4, he says, How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. He's thinking about himself, okay, I need this new birth. How do I get that new birth? Is it by entering into my mother's womb again, by me entering in, therefore I will be born again a second time from my mum? That's ridiculous. It's impossible. So how do we experience a new birth? And this is where Jesus teaches us that it's by the same spirit that gave about the virgin birth of Jesus is that same spirit needs to give us the new birth. And he teaches us that in the verses that follow. Verse 5 says, Jesus answered, 
to Nicodemus' question about whether man can save himself in some way through the new birth, Jesus answered, verse 5, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Very clear there that if you want the new birth, if you want to enter into the kingdom of heaven, it must be by the power of the Holy Spirit, that the Spirit is the one who gives us that new birth. Now, how does he do that? How can he bring about new birth for sinners? How can he save anyone? After all, sin is serious. We've rebelled against God. Sin equals death and punishment in hell. How can God just wink at sin and, by the power of the Holy Spirit, save us and give us this new birth? Well, Nicodemus asks how this can be in the very next verse. Verse 9, how can this be, Nicodemus asked. And then Jesus replies, you are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? I tell you the truth, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. And here's how we are saved. Verse 14, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Now, of course, the rest of the Bible fleshes out that wonderful truth about what Jesus is saying there about the Son of Man being lifted up. And this is a reference to what? His death at the cross. This is the way the new birth is possible. is because Jesus goes to the cross and dies the death that his people deserve so that they do not have to die the death that they deserve. They do not have to be punished with hell because he has experienced hell on the cross on their behalf. And therefore, the Spirit can apply the precious blood of Jesus Christ to the hearts of those he chooses and give them the new birth so that they can enter into the kingdom of heaven. This is how man is saved. It's all of God. By Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, from Jesus' birth, Jesus' life, Jesus' resurrection, to our new birth. It's all by God. And so we can rejoice in the new birth and know the salvation that comes of entering into the kingdom of heaven. But the question is, how can we know individually that we are saved? How can you know that you are saved and that you have entered into the kingdom of heaven, that you have the new birth, that the Holy Spirit has moved and worked upon your heart? Because what did we see that Jesus said in John chapter 3? He said in verse 6, Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. The Spirit is like the wind. You can't see it. And you can't see Him. You can't see the Holy Spirit. So how can you know that the Holy Spirit has come and worked upon your hearts and given you the new birth so that you have eternal life. Well, how do you know the wind is there? You see the wind blowing in the trees. You see the effects of the wind blowing the water. You can see the wind is there, even though you cannot see it by its effects. And it's the same with the Holy Spirit. 
How can you see the Holy Spirit is there? By the way he is acting, by the effects that he is bringing about in this world and in your life. How can we see that the Holy Spirit was in the life of Jesus? How do we know that the Holy Spirit conceived the Lord Jesus in the womb of the Virgin Mary? By the fact that he was conceived without Joseph. Now, not everybody would be able to testify to this, but clearly Mary was able to testify to the fact that the Spirit had worked upon her by the fact that she was pregnant and had never known a man. And Joseph could clearly testify that it wasn't him involved. He knew in his heart of hearts whether he was involved in the conception of the Lord Jesus Christ. He knew that it was the Holy Spirit. It clearly wasn't him. And Mary was one who could clearly testify that it had nothing to do with another man. She saw the effects of the Holy Spirit in her womb. And so she could testify that it was of God. And it's the same throughout the life of Jesus. You see the works that he is doing, he's doing them by the power of the Holy Spirit. He can't see the Holy Spirit, but you can see the effects of the Holy Spirit in the life of Jesus, including his death, going to the cross. It's all by the power of the Holy Spirit. And of course, how do we know the Holy Spirit was resting upon Jesus? Not just for his birth, not just for his life, but also for his resurrection. How do we know the Holy Spirit was on Jesus? By the way that he is the firstborn from the dead. Like the wind, the Spirit was moving in the life of Jesus from his birth to his life to his resurrection. And it's the same with us today. We cannot see the Holy Spirit, but we can see the effects of the Holy Spirit on our lives and therefore know whether we have the new birth and therefore we are saved. What are the effects that we should look for to know whether the Holy Spirit is in us and working in us and saving us? Well, Jesus goes on to explain in John chapter 3. What do we read in John chapter 3, verse 16? We read, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. How can you know the Holy Spirit is in you, that you have the new birth? By whether you believe in Jesus Christ. Those who believe are no longer condemned in their sins. Instead, they have eternal life. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, it is only because the Holy Spirit has worked upon your heart. Faith is a gift from God. It is a present from God. It is not something you produce yourself. It is a gift from God. And so if you are believing in Jesus, the only reason possible is that God has put the Holy Spirit in you. That same Spirit who put the... Lord Jesus, in Mary's womb, in some mysterious way, that same mysterious thing has happened within you if you trust in Jesus Christ. If you truly trust in him, then it is the same spirit that worked in Jesus so many years ago has now worked in your heart. But how else can we know? How else can we know? Not just by our belief, but by the way that we live. And we see that in the following verses as well. Verse 19. Verse 19 of John chapter 3. Jesus says, This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. 
Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. If we are happy to live in the light, we want to live in the light and have our sin exposed and to do right, what's that mean? The wind, the spirit of God has blown into our hearts. The Holy Spirit has overshadowed us, just like he overshadowed the Lord Jesus Christ and has given us the new birth, and we are God's children. If we live in the light and do not scurry into the darkness, we show that we have entered into the kingdom of God and that the new birth has come into us. So do you affirm the virgin birth? Do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, born of the Virgin Mary so many years ago? Or do you think that you don't actually need saving? That you don't need saving? And so it has no relevance to you whether this man was born of a virgin so many years ago. If that is you, consider your inevitable death, which does show you need saving. You need saving because you are surely dying. That one day you will die. And then consider what will save you from that death. How can you rise again from the grave? It's not by good works. It's not by living safely and having good health care that somehow you will stay off death forever. No, these things do not save. We cannot save ourselves. Are you someone who's going to continue to love darkness so that your evil deeds are not exposed? as we see here in John chapter 3, that men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Don't be so foolish. Consider your death and consider your sins. Why is it foolish to not come into the light and to admit that you're a sinner and need saving? To hide your deeds and say, I'm not a sinner. Why is it so foolish? Because a day is coming when your sins will be exposed whether you like it or not. The judge will call you to account and your sins will be laid bare for all to see. And then, why is it so foolish to try and hide your sins today? Because one day you'll be punished for eternity in hell for not coming and exposing your sin today. Do not be so foolish. Admit your evil deeds. Come into the light Cast them on Christ Jesus by faith. Trust in Jesus Christ so that you can have eternal life, so that you can be saved, so that you can enter into the kingdom of God. And for those of us who do believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and do believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, what should we do? What should we do? Well, we should not just affirm the virgin birth, but we should love the virgin birth. Why? Many reasons, but one that I've given you this morning is it teaches us about our salvation, that the same Holy Spirit who overshadowed Christ's birth, life and resurrection overshadows our new birth, our life and our resurrection. It's this wonderful truth that we understand 
that the New Testament proclaims to us, that we have been born again from spiritual death. We've been born again from spiritual death and that we live now by faith and good works all because of God, all because of the Holy Spirit. And one day we'll be born again from the grave, from physical death. We've already been born again if we believe in Jesus Christ. We've already been born again from spiritual death, but one day we'll be born again from physical death. We'll be raised as Jesus was raised, the firstborn from the dead, but we will also follow him. And so we should rejoice and love the virgin birth because it reminds us that salvation is of God in Jesus, but also in us as individuals. And what should we also do? We should love the virgin birth because it then leads us to live by the truth. We should rejoice in it, affirm it, but also live out the truths that it brings into our lives. That's what we saw in John chapter 3, that those who love the Lord Jesus Christ, who trust in him, they live in the light. And why do they live in the light? Many reasons, but we're given one in verse 21. Verse 21 of John chapter 3, but whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what God, what he has done has been done through God. When we do good works, it is a testimony to ourselves and to those around us that what has been done in us is not done by us ultimately, but done by God and his Holy Spirit. The wind has blown in our hearts and continues to blow in our lives. The effects are there. For us to see and rejoice in that we are truly saved, it gives us assurance to see ourselves walking in the light, that what has been done in us has been done by God, and also those around us. As they look at our lives and they see that there's something different about these people. And it can only be that God is at work in them. I know what it was like when they were not following God. They were a different person. They're a better person now. And it must be something supernatural has taken place. And it's true. It is that the Holy Spirit, that same Holy Spirit that brought about the supernatural birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, has brought about a supernatural birth in the life of that person. And as people see that, God often puts a pebble in their shoes, so to speak, a thought in their mind that they cannot ignore, that there is something more to life than what they've been living for, that there is a God and that there is life from the grave. And it can bring people to have that same faith and the Holy Spirit brings into their life so that they too have eternal life. And it's all part and parcel of the testimony that wrapped up. Our testimony is part of that by the way that we have lived before them. Let's come to God in prayer now. Let's speak to him. Heavenly Father, we praise you for your mercy and your power in saving sinners by Jesus Christ. From his virgin birth to his work on the cross, to his resurrection from the grave, to saving us who believe with the new birth, so that we believe and live in holiness. Oh Lord, we come before you this morning and we confess again that we are sinners and we could not save ourselves from the punishment that we deserve. 
But Lord, we thank you again that you have saved us by Jesus Christ. And so we ask that you would help us by the power of the Holy Spirit to affirm and to love the virgin birth because it reminds us that our salvation is all of your grace and power. And help us to joyfully glorify you for your wondrous salvation and to live in holiness before you. And Lord, if anyone here this morning has not been born again, save them now by the power of the Holy Spirit so that they believe and live in the light and have eternal life. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.